spacecraft did not crash in Roswell, New Mexico in 1947. You know flat earthers, I guarantee it. But you don't know who they are because they're afraid of talking about it. This is not a test. This is your emergency broadcast system. Hello and welcome to the 132nd annual Subliminal Deception Podcast. Your weekly dose of conspiracy theory bullshit. My name is Cody. I'm joined by my pal Phil. How are you? Doing good, buddy. How about yourself? Not doing too bad. I uh, I've had a uh, interesting week in Minnesota. It is definitely starting to get quite chilly. Uh, it is because I've been having to open at work, so I'm like leaving the house pretty early and. Mm. When it's 30 degrees outside and it's still dark when you're going to work, I don't know if I necessarily like that very much. Yeah, it's a little it's a little disheartening when you... Uh, I'm used to it because I, I get to work at 5 in the morning, so I take off at 4.30 every morning. So it's it's always usually pretty dark, except for like in June. I start to see the sun come up when I go to work. But yeah, it was about 50 degrees when I went to work this morning. So Damn. my car has been having a little hard start issue, so... So uh, on Monday, right, we had a, how can I say this? I was in the car and there was little tiny minuscule flakes of snow that were hitting the windshield. Um, Gross. Yeah. <laughs> obviously, there's no snow on the ground, but it's it's like taunting you being like, we're just around the corner and I hope you bastards didn't forget about me. Definitely. Yeah. Hellscape is coming. <laughs> I really hope it's not a bad winter. I don't know if I can put up with one, if I'm being like a really bad one. I'm just not in the mood for a harsh winter this year. Yeah. I was pretty happy with the summer that we had. So the summer we had last year, obviously it was COVID. So that sucked, but it was also like about 115 to 120 every single day. So this past summer, it actually rained once every two weeks or so, a couple of times every two weeks. So it was really actually pretty decently cool, like kind of in the hundreds every week about. I was happy with that. And it's really nice out right now. Uh, I said it was like in the like mid 50s when I got to work. By the time I left this afternoon, it was in the 80s. So nice and sunny in the 80s. Pretty happy with that. Uh, the, I don't even think the high during the day here has broke 50, uh, in quite a while, but we need to talk about the, we're not going to talk about our football clubs this week because they both suck ass, but instead yeah, I'm going to talk about one of the arch rivals, uh, big news. It's been a big, big news week for the NFL actually, and not a good way. Um, yeah, obviously, Mr. Mr. Aaron Rodgers, Mr. Smug, okay, he is, he has COVID, and apparently, he was telling everybody he was vaccinated, but he is, in fact, not vaccinated. Now, that's not, not surprising. There's quite a few multi-million dollar athletes who have the same stance as Aaron Rodgers, but the thing that I think 
is coming out that I think leans into him being an asshole mm. is that he didn't want to face the criticism that the other players were. So he was telling everybody he was immunized. Okay. He would not say vaccinated. He kept saying <laughs> immunized. Now, now the report comes out that he petitioned the NFL to approve his, this is no shit. He had alternate treatment that made that, uh, I, I can't remember how they worded it, like treat or that made him immune to COVID or something. Yeah. So I don't know if you've heard about his wife and what she's into. Have you heard any of that, Dana Kirkpatrick? Is she the one that's big into crystals? Yes. Yes, I have. So I was like, is this what <laughs> the Aaron Rodgers alternate treatment for COVID is? I I don't know. Like, what what is like Brett Favre's sweat? I don't know. Like, what is his alternate treatment? Yeah, I'm guessing it has to do something with uh, the legacy of greatness in his own mind that makes him immune to, you know, any anything that might afflict him. I <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's well, it's kind of crazy right now because, um, you know, there's a lot of people who are ne not necessarily anti-vaxxers, but they kind of, you know, like the freedom of choice uh, type situation when it comes to vaccines. There's a lot of uh, protests going around in the country now, mostly because of like Biden's, um, I don't know if you call it initiative or the presidential like decree pretty much that he signed that said everyone needs to be vaccinated pretty much is the reason why I went and got vaccinated. I, uh, I'm, I don't know. It's, it's one of those things where it's been around long enough. I feel like to where I'm comfortable getting it, you know, like I let, I let a few million people before me get it. So now I'm fine. The, but. Yeah, this is you hit it on the head. It has, uh, in my opinion, became less about the vaccine and more about a being told. Well, being told or a political stance. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's that, too. I mean, and you got to think, too, there's a lot of those people who are kind of like the anti-vaxxers. Who knows what they're watching on fucking YouTube or Instagram, Facebook, all of that. What you know, what their uncles are sending them. Yeah, who knows, <laughs> really? Uh, yeah, it's it's uh, I don't know. I'm just I think me and the rest of the world, I would assume, is just like really done with with this and really wants to like return to normal. Yeah. Well, I'm just done with wearing masks. I would. Yeah. Uh, that's that's my my big thing is like we're watch. I'm watching kind of like the the Delta numbers. They're starting to go down, and I keep thinking every single week I see the numbers go down. It's like okay, we're still wearing masks, you know, like uh, at random, you know, depending on like where you live, what city, what state, you know, you have to wear a mask more or less. But really, it's getting to the point where okay, I think I think we're good now. I don't think we have to wear masks anymore. That's yeah. my personal opinion. But yeah, I I don't know. It's so finicky. I I think I feel like in Minnesota now. This is just me personally. I have when I go into stores where there's a lot of people, I do wear my mask, but it's not necessarily just for COVID. When it got cold here. I swear to God, the second the temperature changed to an extreme uh, thing, 
so many fucking illnesses just came out of the woodwork. Yes. There's literally stomach flus going around right now. I swear, like, two-thirds of the people I know have caught it already. I don't want to say anything in regards to me catching it because I'm scared I'll jinx myself, but uh, Mm. let's just say you remember when that temperature switches, it's like all these illnesses come, (laughs) wake up, and they're ready to party. And they wake up inside you, too, because the moment that the temperature changes, your nose just pours out, and it's like I wasn't even sick, and all of a sudden, headaches feverish you know just at the my you know everybody's body kind of does it you know the the change of weather type you know syndrome but kind of glad i don't really get that as bad here but it still happens like i still get like i for the past month i've had a stuffed nose while doing these podcasts so really hear it in my voice but yeah 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 i can kind of hear it's not not too too bad but uh are you are you ready to dive into this bad boy phil Yeah, let's change the subject. All right. So, this week, we are once again returning to the world of unidentified flying objects. What makes this particular event we will be discussing a little more significant is that it connects back to one of the very first Subliminal Deception episodes, more specifically, Episode 7, The Flying Airships, of 1897. Now, I won't lie. It is a little difficult to remember back to the exact, like, locations of the airship sightings that we discussed on that episode. Um, You know, if you do a podcast, you kind of realize you forget what you talk about, and this is a prime example. But I do remember, and this is still true to this day, that the overall subject of these 19th century flying airships have been extremely interesting to me just because they're so unique almost to the one I think it was like basically a decade that these things were showing up so what do you what do you remember about that episode I remember that these flying airships were kind of showing up for some reason the state of Texas I think that there was quite a few sightings maybe in that state but um yeah i mean it was over 120 episodes ago yeah so it's it's been a minute you kind of uh yeah you're right when you when you do these every week you do kind of memory dump the subjects yeah you so. can, i think you can only hold so much up there honestly yeah and you were also it was your episode so you're the one who did all of the research i was just the uh the, <laughs> the one passenger getting the info bounced off of so <laughs> now what i'm going to be doing on this episode is focusing in on one of the more compelling sightings in regards to the airships. The reason this particular event stands tall above all the rest is because they allegedly, okay, I'm air quoting here, have both a grave containing an alien being and pieces of the airship buried in the ground uh, and a kind of discuss all of that later in the episode, how that all pertains to the flying airships. Now, from just this little teaser, have you, does any of that sound familiar? Yes, uh, this does actually, I believe I've seen something on the History Channel about this. It's a pretty famous event. Okay, well, uh, we will be talking about the History Channel and 
Uh, I I feel like you and I will both have some strong words <laughs> for the History Channel because they they get up to semantics sometimes. Definitely. Now this particular city that has all these moment, monumentous alien artifacts is Aurora, Texas, which outside of this specific event is a rather nondescript town. Aurora geographically is located about 30 miles northwest of Fort Worth, Texas, which is uh, significantly larger than, uh, I assume, Aurora. Aurora seems quite tiny. Now, if you and your family are just yearning to spend your vacation in Aurora, Texas, here are a few activities you might want to consider. First, head over to the Team Texas Driving School, where you can uh, role play that you are a NASCAR driver. Now, would you do something like this, Phil? I would, but you would probably see me. It would be like when Ricky Bobby was driving 55 <laughs> and wondering how all the cars were going so fast. Um, I actually, I think I would do this, have some fun doing it, but I don't think I would go like quite balls out. I bet it's something that your dad would really like. Yeah, I'm, I guarantee he, he will probably love that. Um, yeah. Another good uh, good thing you can go, you can go shop at a place called Ain't That Something, uh, Uniques and Antiques Shop. Again, not really sure what you would be finding in this place. Uh, what, what do you think? If you saw a shop called Ain't That Something, what is your first impression? I imagine you're going to find a lot of cat ladies in there uh, <laughs> picking through their next horde, pretty what, much. Do you think that you'd find Barack Obama's birth certificate in there? Probably not, because I don't <laughs> believe anyone in Texas believes it's real. So, And even if they did find it, I'm pretty sure they would destroy it just to say that he is, in fact, not a citizen. Um, or, you know, this seems this seems like something up your alley, Phil. You can grab a drink at a place called... Bearded Ear Craft Brewery. That might be kind of cool. I mean, Texas has some pretty good uh, food. So if they do, my favorite thing about breweries is uh, tasting kind of like the food that they have. So with along with the beer. All right. Yeah, I suppose that makes sense. Uh, Bearded Eel, very interesting name there. Uh, And finally, if you want to do a little more shopping, ain't that something just wasn't scratching that itch. I would head over to Justin Discount Boots and Cowboy out- or Cowboy Outfitters. Uh, have you ever been in one of these stores, Phil? Sadly, yes. <laughs> in um, we were actually looking for Halloween costumes when I lived ah. in Clovis, New Mexico, which is quite the fucking dump. Uh, Clovis, <laughs> New Mexico is right on the border of Texas. They really like their cowboy stuff. Um, they also really like, you know, being in poverty, I assume, because most of them are impoverished. But yeah, so I have been sadly in a Boots and Cowboy Outfitters store. The problem is for a Halloween costume, all that shit was too expensive. We ended up going say. to a thrift store and finding the same ugly shit, you know, for <laughs> way less. I was going to say, I my understanding is like cowboy hats and boots can get quite expensive. Oh, yeah. Cowboy hats. The uh, well, I mean, the you know, obviously you're not going to find them at Goodwill, 
but like the the real ones that they make specifically like they actually fit it to your head and they you know design you kind of like design it tell them what you want those things can get really fucking expensive from what i hear damn like the ones that the country music singers get like specifically for themselves made to order Look, can get really expensive i'm going to i'm going to draw a crazy line in the sand here um that's almost as bad as like a custom fedora a custom fedora yeah i mean is kind of seems like if you're going to, to that length to get your custom cowboy hat i i don't know seems like a bit much for me yeah i think you probably live more in a fedora type city and i kind of live yeah. in more of a cowboy hat type city that's so. very true that's extremely true yeah i mean in in phoenix you might see some fedoras but you're more likely to see cowboy hats out here <laughs> it is weird in minnesota i would say it's considered fairly odd if you see somebody wearing a cowboy hat you you instantly want to like do you know where you are sir yeah obviously you can't read any of the signs <laughs> so uh now, what is really crazy about Aurora is basically its entire the entire identity of the city is this UFO event. Um, in the I would imagine it's kind of in the same manner that Roswell is, where the whole town is the UFO sighting. Um, a shining example of this is that the city's official website okay i'm not kidding you the city's official website literally has a picture of an alien in its background as well as a lot of the little icons or like a ufo and they have a little alien's head uh again this this ufo crash is this city now ironically when you attempt to even click the section titled historic that has a little alien head. I'm assuming that tells all about the UFO detail. Uh, it simply gives you this exact quote when it goes to the page. Oops, that page can't be found. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I imagine that like most small towns or small cities, the website is probably run by a 95 year old. Yeah. You know, citizen of the of the town so i'm i wouldn't be totally surprised if their their web pages don't quite work that well so <laughs> well it's just like when you look on the background it looks like like a cgi alien skin that's like the background that's how okay. kind of stupid it is like a kind of like reptilian yes like yes, yes I, exactly I can, I can imagine yeah it's I didn't even know if you had like a legitimate city, you can have it be that silly of like a, a webs like they have all this alien shit and then they have like public utilities, uh community center meetings on the same webpage and it's like what is going on here? Yeah, well I imagine it's just like Roswell or Las Vegas. Actually I'll use the example of Las Vegas. So when everyone thinks of Las Vegas, they're always gonna think, you know, casinos poker, all of the, you know, gambling and stuff. But it also has to be a functioning city for the people who live and work there, too. So I imagine on, like, Las Vegas's, you know, their city website, if they even have one, their homepage would probably be all about gambling and all about, 
you know, all of its history and gambling. But then when you go to like the actual like events and stuff, I mean, obviously Las Vegas, over a million people, it's not a small town, but they've got a, it's, I mean, every city has a website, so they got to have things for their residents, the people who are actually, you know, going to be utilizing it on a regular basis. Do you think Las Vegas's um, website has Chris Angel on it? I imagine he's the mayor at this point, <laughs> really. Either him or Celine Dion, but dude, she's back no. in Canada. She ain't there. She, ain't, she I don't yeah. know, is she even allowed in? Is she even allowed there? I don't. I don't know. I think she used to have a show there, but I imagine like most Canadians, she skipped town at the first sight of COVID. So <laughs> true that. But uh, let's finally dive into the meat and potatoes of this week's episode. Uh, it all began way back on April 17th, 1897 in aforementioned Aurora, Texas. The sighting kicked off at the crack of dawn. The time was roughly 6 a.m. This is when some of the citizens of Aurora reported uh, noticing a cigar-shaped object hovering in the skies. The cigar-shaped object, according to them, was headed, it was like northbound, and it was passing basically directly over the city of Aurora itself. Now, I find this interesting. I kind of remember when we were talking about the airships, it they they were kind of more like a football shape, more than like a cigar shape, which I guess kind of is that shape. Do you do you kind of remember that? Yeah, I remember us talking about how like you could easily you know, confuse, especially people living out in the sticks. Maybe they could easily con- confuse like a blimp or an early kind of one of those airships, basically, as like a UFO or something extraterrestrial. So it wouldn't surprise me. Obviously, you know, the whole notion of flying saucer really hadn't come around yet, hadn't been popularized like it would be you know, what, 60 years in the future from this. So Yeah, I, I think that's one of the most interesting aspects of this is that um as we're about to find out i i mean it's hard to say if they would even know what an alien is i guess if that makes sense but they certainly talk about it like do you know what i mean do you think in 1897 they were thinking about aliens from other planets i mean maybe mars they might have been thinking the red planet that there was life on Mars. Um, and I mean, who knows what they thought about, like, like, I mean, I obviously like there was writers, you know, talking about, uh, visitors from other planets, like what life was like, maybe on other planets on Mars or on Venus, maybe on the moon, but who knows what, like a, a rural Texan would think about aliens, you know, you know, flying aircraft who like, Honestly, did they even think about it at all? Or did they just, you know, keep their nose to the ground pretty much and think about the dirt and whether it was sprouting crops or not? So, <laughs> I think they just thought about the only book that mattered. The uh, one written by JC, right? Dianetics, of course. <laughs> the best book. Now, <laughs> as a cigar-shaped object continued to travel in the skies over Aurora, it appeared to be experiencing some sort of malfunction because it was slowly losing elevation 
and moving at only about 10 to 12 miles per hour, once the ship was fully on the northern side of Aurora, it would descend low enough and end up crashing directly into Judge Proctor's windmill, which not only destroyed his windmill, but also destroyed the judge's water tank and his flower bed. That is so sad. You, The judge was working so hard on that flower bed. Moving about 10 to 12 miles per hour and crashing into something. Yeah. Obviously, right away, you're wondering, was it on its way to a country kitchen restaurant? <laughs> um, like a buffet, you know, first about 3.30 in the afternoon. First ever uh, old country buffet right there. Definitely. Yeah. Before they franchised out and, uh, you know, back when the food was good. I heard, but, they, I heard they're coming back. Yeah. There's, um, I mean, it's kind of for people during that age. I wonder, they knew how fast a train went. That was probably the fastest thing that they had seen uh, moving around. And trains really don't go much faster, I don't think, back then. Like, much faster than 45, 55 miles an hour um, when they're, like, at top speed. So I wonder, and when when things are further away, it's hard to tell what their speed is. Because when thing, the further away something is, the slower it kind of looks like it's going. Kind of like true. how if an airplane passed right overhead, it would just zip right by. But if you see one at, you know, 5,000 feet, it looks like it's going kind of slow. That is uh, that is very true, isn't it? Yeah. I kind of wonder what the true, like, speed was. But if it was passing directly overhead, like, right over the, you know, over the town's buildings, maybe they were able to see kind of how fast it was going. Well, the inter- the that exact speed I got out of the... Uh, official newspaper article that was published after this happened, um, which is obviously old as fuck. But again, they could have been interviewing like fucking crazy man Clampett or something like the crazy dude who talks to clouds or something. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, they're like asking someone who has no idea what's going on uh, for the inside details of how fast this thing was going. So again, yeah. it's uh. It was written a long time ago. Also, this was kind of during one of the key times of sensationalized, like, yellow journalism. Oh, yeah. So I don't know exactly how bad, like, a local paper would be. Or if this maybe was in the Fort Worth paper, Dallas-Fort Worth, which might have been worse. (laughs) Oh, I'm sure it was. Who knows if they sensationalized it at all? (sighs) I'm sure it was. Uh, The impact from the craft hitting the windmill was so violent that it caused all sorts of flaming debris to be scattered, what they claim, over several acres. Uh, I could only imagine for a for the good Christian people of Texas in 1897, in their mind, they were probably assuming this had to be the end of the fucking world, or maybe it was like, Jesus, this is his grand metal entrance to the world again. Um, yep. Can you kind of see that happening? I mean, I would assume uh, they're very religious back then, so I assume that's what their their first thought probably was, don't you think? Oh, definitely. I mean, you it's one of those deals where they did know... If this had happened a thousand years before, they probably would have thought it was an angel or some something like that. Um, it's It's kind of crazy. They were very close to like the modern age like it was happening all around them so they were kind of 
you know, one foot in the past, one foot in the future, kind of in the 1897. I mean, you know, the uh, like ironclad ships, there were trains going across the country. So I assume that they probably might have thought that it was, I don't know who the enemies at that time would be, but maybe they thought it was like a enemy coming to the US. But yeah, I could definitely see them thinking it was Armageddon. Ah, uh, the enemy is atheist, Phil. That is the correct answer for True. that. For that, actually, <laughs> sorry, eighteen ninety-seven. They would the enemy would have been Spain. They would have been pumped full of anti-Spanish propaganda at this time. Keep an eye out for men with roses in their mouths. <laughs> mouth is dancing around on their ship. Watch out, yeah. the Spanish are coming. Coming to impregnate your women. <laughs> yeah. Now, when the locals of Aurora got curious and wanted to see what exactly just happened. Uh, they were gifted with pieces of the airship laying all over Judge Proctor's farm. Now, they reported that the metal to them looked like a mixture between aluminum and silver, which sounds an awful lot like the same color or same metallic, whatever you want to call it, as we see modern UFOs in, in today's time. That's kind of what I got from that. Um, which which is kind of an interesting comparison, if you ask me, uh, because the from what I remember when we discussed the airships, they were all kind of like a brownish, almost like a steampunk ish looking ship is how they described most of the sightings. So this one's kind of unique in that matter. But then again, if the ship's high in the air and it's a cigar shape and all of that, maybe it is silverish. But the dark gets so dark because there's not really electricity that maybe it looks darker than it was. And some of the other reports I'm saying. Yeah, it's interesting. In the old, like in the papers, did they actually use the word aluminum? Uh, that's a quote from the citizens that found this oh. debris. Okay, I didn't know that they could actually mass produce aluminum. Like if they would even know what aluminum looked like back then. I don't know. Uh, that's the quote. It's kind of. I was just saying it's kind of weird that like that word popped up in the 1890s. Possibly, though, they were mass producing it. But I know like all the aluminum, everything that we use now, which used to be made out of tin for that reason. But I mean, Mm. it's it's crazy because it seems it's like a lot like Roswell, like how they're just finding bits of this everywhere. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, Yeah, it's well, I'm going to I'm going to bring up this point later about the aluminum uh later in the episode. We kind of get into modern day findings about this. Uh but we'll talk about that in a little bit. Now, oh, I was also going to say too. This was great because it was at a time before the army could just kind of roll in and take over the whole place. Right. So the army would have had a hard time getting there, you know, obviously on horseback or maybe, you know, riding the riding the rails till they got close enough. So it's not like the military could just come in and swoop in like that day, like they could, you know, today, 60 years later or today. Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. Now, presumably those who laid the eyes upon this mysterious debris from this fucking flying ship that they've never really seen anything, anything flying before, I would assume, uh, they also discovered amongst the rubble or the debris was the pilot's mangled corpse that was kind of just laying there now even though the body was quite disfigured from being in such a violent crash one man on the scene named tj wems 
uh, claimed okay, that he could tell. <laughs> he could tell this body is not from Earth. Now, Mr. T.J. Wems went on to say that his opinion could be trusted because he was a United States signal service officer and a respected authority on astronomy. He believed, or he was pretty certain actually, that this body that was found here was actually a denizen of the planet Mars. That was his professional opinion. As uh, as the, I don't know, what makes you the authority <laughs> on astronomy in a town this small out in, you know, the middle of bumfuck? That's, uh, he kind of, he must be self-appointed, but <laughs> that's... <laughs> this was that, like, his whole thing was like, a le- they legitimately wrote that his opinion was, like, held above everybody else's in the newspaper. I'm not even shitting you. It reminds me, do you remember that guy who used to come into Mabes who would smoke the pipe, the uh, the tobacco yep, pipe? Yep, I remember him. It, up? it reminds me of that person. If the newspaper talked to him, he would claim that he was, like, the <laughs> expert on all of this stuff. Like, oh, you can trust me. I'm the town expert on astronomy. And, you know, I was in the submarine service and I was this and that. So reminds me of that guy. I can just imagine him talking to the paper. Well, okay, so I didn't think of this initially, but you brought it up earlier in the episode that um, they would assume people lived on Mars, right? Because that's kind of all they knew. So it's interesting that this guy assumed this body was from Mars. Yeah, and there was also, um, there was a kind of, I don't know if you would call it a mistranslation of an astronomer who had gotten a really good image of Mars through his telescope. And he had said that there were canals on Mars. The word he probably meant was more like erosion or like rivers. Mm. But the word canals kind of struck everyone because canals are man-made. So that kind of like really launched the idea like, oh, there must be, you know, Martians. There must be uh, the aliens living on Mars if they're building these canals. Very, so. Hey, that's a good point. I think uh, sometimes things get lost in translation <laughs> throughout history yeah. like exactly like that. And I think that's a, a great example of a mistranslation. Now, um, like you alluded to, I think it's a little weird that none of the citizens in the town decided to get involved with the crash with the government with the military or not even their own local authorities unless you want to consider tj wems a local authority um Uh, he he does (laughs) (laughs) i got it citizens of here i'm the i'm the local astrologer uh Yeah. yeah here we go uh so they just didn't acknowledge any of that they talked to the papers after the fact but Yes. After the crash and finding the body, they're just like, nah, we can, we we got it. So it's it's impossible to say how long they waited after finding the body, but my assumption is, given that this is crest or this is Texas and this is heavy Christian area, they decided they needed to give this Martian a proper burial. Uh, so they buried the body allegedly in their local graveyard. What what do you think? I would assume that's the reason for them burying the body. What what do you think? Well, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, they would give it a proper Christian burial. Um, also, it's a good idea just to get rid of bodies, you know, uh, 
they start to stink after a minute. <laughs> um, you you said before that they didn't get any government, uh, local, state, or federal involved. Um, you got to remember back then people had to be a lot more independent because True. they didn't they didn't have you know the big government wasn't you know on their heels. It, they were kind of a lot of these people might have been more of like from the pioneer spirit too. A lot of them probably just kind of took care of things on their own. If you had a, if you had a coyote on your property, you shot it. You know, if someone was trying to steal your horse, you shot them. Kind of one of those situations. If you had a criminal in the town, maybe the people got together and hung them. So, and also too, it's Texas. So you got to take that notion times five because they're Texans after all. <laughs> but also, yeah, I mean, uh, very like highly religious people back then. I did hear, remember in the history documentary, if you can call them documentaries, I did remember the history channel documentary that they did give the Martian or alien, a proper Christian burial. So Good. in well, an unmarked grave, I local graveyard. I, I will honestly, even, you know, doing this episode, I was, I was quite concerned that that alien wasn't going to get into heaven if he didn't have a proper <laughs> Christian burial. Definitely. Uh, yeah. Uh, don't know if it's open casket or not. You know, he was a little messed up. Yeah, so. it, it, his body was a little fucked up. Um, a quick side note about Texas. Did you hear the story about the special teams coach for the Texas college uh, football team? Uh, the Longhorns? Yes. No, I didn't. So apparently, this sounds. I'm gonna. This sounds made up, but this is like a legitimate news story. So his his he's this special teams coach is dating a stripper. Her name nice. her her stage name is Pole Assassin, okay? Now, she has a monkey that she strips on the pole with. It's like part of her routine. Well, that monkey that she strips with um apparently bit a kid on Halloween. I don't know if the monkey was dressed up in an outfit or something. <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God, I was reading. I thought it was made up. I'm like, well, what the fuck? If this monkey spends most of its time at a strip club, I imagine it has a pretty bad coke habit. Yeah. So I can totally you know, see that happening. Do you think she gets more money for having the monkey with her while she's stripping? I don't know. I mean, with all with COVID and everything, it probably is pretty hard out there. You know, I mean, guys can't really wind up on the strip anymore. So the dollar amounts probably going down from what they take home. Well, I imagine you, you do what you can, you know. Well, the the only thing I'm wondering is maybe they should have made like an adult version of Curious George where they had Curious George and then the man in yellow was like a um uh, Chippendales strippers <laughs> or something. <laughs> yeah, I imagine it's just like uh one of those 90s movies where you know how every 90s movie had a monkey in it. True. Uh, the monkey pretty much just goes and gets all the picks up all the tips and tips its hat tips its little what's that little fez hat yeah tips its little fez hat to yeah. all the customers so <laughs> all right but anyway that uh if you don't believe me seriously look up that story it's fucking unreal i literally said this sounds like something out of kirby enthusiasm but anyway <laughs> back to this here so like we said they buried the alien corpse pretty fucking weird uh, the townsfolk also maybe leaning into what Phil said here. They're going to take care of this shit themselves. They decided all the debris that was came out of this flying craft 
Well, they're just going to go ahead and throw it down a local well. Um, This is kind of, honestly, some of my, I would say my grandpa, uh, this was his way of disposing of things as well, throwing them into a well or throwing them into a sinkhole, not really thinking twice about what they were actually doing. Uh, So according to local legend, they threw all the debris in this well, and for a long time, anybody who would come to drink from from that well water would either get sick or they would start to develop different abnormalities around their body. Uh, finally, in, in the 1950s, claiming that they finally figured out why all this shit was happening to people and it was too dangerous, they sealed up the well, put a huge cement block over it, and just kind of not allowing anybody to mess with it anymore. Now, it's... These two things, the alien grave site and the well that has drawn the attention of a lot of UFO investigators and enthusiasts to come kind of visit it and check it out for themselves. Now, with the abnormalities, uh, apparently the guy who owns the property the well is on, there's a photo of his grandfather and it it's like his knuckles and it's like there's tumors all over his knuckles. That's what it looks like. Um, but they kind of claim that that was actually rheumatoid arthritis or something. Yeah. Well, I'm, I imagine that the healthcare probably wasn't the, you know, the greatest. <laughs> no. even, well, for its time, and they're living out in the middle of nowhere. Out exactly. In the probably didn't get the best medical treatment. But also, I was going to say that you hit the nail you hit the ha- the nail right on the head there uh so the Iowa way the Iowa farmer way of getting rid of a building like we've mentioned before is just digging a hole right next to it and pushing the building into the hole yeah and then burying it the uh the old house that the house that I grew up in the house that used to be on that property was literally just buried in the backyard they took the good timber from the house buried the rest and then made the house that I grew up in. Yeah. Uh, we actually tried to do the same thing with my barn, but then it burned down when, we, when I was a kid. Um, so yeah, I can totally see them just kind of throwing it down a well. Um, they also didn't have Geiger counters back then. So no, they'd have had no. no idea about radiation. They didn't even know about like radium back then. So, well, the, the thing is, is like putting it, put this in perspective. So, I'm just going to say my grandpa, okay, this is from the day I know. In the 1990s, he was still throwing shit in sinkholes. He'd throw, like, goddamn cars in them. Uh, <laughs> trying to I, fill them up. Yeah, trying to fill them up and, and get rid of his garbage at the same time. So it, it really makes sense in 1897, that is exactly what these people are doing, like, Okay, I can't see it anymore. My problem's taken care of, clearly. Oh, definitely. They had no fucks to give about the environment back then. No. Oh Literally just whatever. As long as there was dirt on it, it's fine. It's good. <laughs> it's fine. Now, after hearing this exhilarating UFO tale, it's natural to wonder if there is any validity to the story and why is it that the town of Aurora has decided to lean so hard into preserving the tale of this mysterious airship crashing into the windmill and the alien grave and yada, yada, yada. Because if, realistically, there is even the slightest amount of truth to this story, 
I think if there was an alien corpse and fucking aircraft wreckage, uh, I think this would really be quite groundbreaking. But the real question we need to know is, is the story complete bullshit or not? That's kind of what we always want to do here on this show. Now, before I get into the nitty-gritty here, Phil, what are your initial impressions? Do you think this is a made-up story, or do you think there could be something weird here? Well, every every little town has a has a legend. I mean, if this legend was in the 1950s that this happened, like during the UFO craze, I would be, you know, 100% thinking that it was bullshit. But I mean, it did happen quite early. Um, it did happen during the airship craze. So that's kind of, you know, uh, heart, hurts it a little bit. But they were talking about kind of things that we, you know, cigar-shaped UFOs, um, weird little bodies that were disfigured from the crash, um, calling them aliens, that kind of thing. So, I mean, really right now, I'll mention it in the like kind of like when we get to those parts, what I think about each individual, um, like the problems with some of this story. But I mean, it does have a little bit of validity for the fact that it happened so long ago. And they were talking about the same things that we would be talking about if it happened today. Absolutely. So. I, I'm i going to reserve my feeling to the very end. But um, yeah, we'll, we'll get into it here. So. Let's just start off with trying to get to the bottom of this alleged alien grave site. Uh, did one ever exist? Well, from my research, that seems to be a hard question to answer because according to the city of Aurora, the grave had been vandalized and stolen quite a long time ago. They certainly have pictures of a rather creepy looking old grave uh, the last picture they have is, I think, from the 70s, but it's long since disappeared. So they they kind of have trouble isolating like where this body supposedly is at. But they do have multiple pictures of these this unmarked grave site that almost looks like it uh, the, a piece of it is broken off, I guess, if that makes sense, just because it is so old. And mm -hmm. kind of a tragic byproduct of them claiming they have this alien body buried in this graveyard is, uh, as no surprise, assholes have came yeah. there and then they destroyed several of the very old headstones that are in this graveyard in search of the alien grave. So I think... They obviously didn't want that to happen, but the, yeah, I don't know. There, the grave does no longer, it doesn't exist there anymore, but there was a weird grave that they have pictures of. So that's kind of unique all in its own. Um, after hearing just that, what are your impressions? Well, I can imagine that there were, uh, just like today, there were basement dwellers, you know, yeah. uh, UFO community types who definitely pro like would go out there looking for the grave and kind of the more, you know, like you said, the assholes, uh, just digging up graves, you know, not really caring, you know, I mean, who knows what graves they might have been digging up. But if it was kind of famous that they uh, back then they thought this was the grave where the alien 
you know, was buried or possibly, you know, more conspiracy side of it. Maybe it was the military or the government or, you know, you said it happened during the 70s. That was kind of big during like the Majestic 12 and all of that stuff, too. So very true. Who knows who may have, you know, it might have been also some kids. I mean, really, like from every from everyone I've ever met, like from Roswell, uh, just a few people. But they said that they hated like the alien stuff growing up because they all thought it was bullshit. But their parents were pretending like it was true because they were trying to make money off of it or they were trying to just give their little shitty hometown, you know, yeah, something to stand on. So I can imagine it could be kids, too, who are just pissed off at hearing all these old legends and, you know, kind of that- their their own asshole ways just goes and vandalizes it just says, well, fuck you. You know. you know what, honestly, that is an angle that I didn't even think of. Now, I'm going to say this right now. We're gonna, I'm going to be talking about kind of a TV show that I watched uh, on the History Channel that was researching this area, if you want to call it researching. Um, they, so they used the pictures to kind of locate approximately where this grave would have been. Um, Mm -hmm. triangulated it and did ground penetrating radar over that specific spot. And I am sad to say there is no grave or there is no body in the ground at that particular area that they found. I can't say there wasn't one, but they didn't find one. Okay. I you can say that for certain. Okay. The second part here of the Aurora incident is the well that supposedly has pieces of an alien craft um, that has been now sealed over for over 60 years at this point. So how are we going to find out if there's anything at the in the bottom of this goddamn well? Well, thankfully, the History Channel's show, UFO Hunters, were given special permission to dig up the well and see if there's any UFO parts down there. So... What did they find? Well, I'm going to spoil that for you. Outside of a rat snake that I think the History Channel may have just thrown down in the well for extra suspense. Um, They didn't find anything remotely close to a UFO ship or parts or anything like that. Although, the one significant thing I can say they did find is the well and the area around it in the dirt and everything, they did find traces of aluminum. So, but they didn't really make it sound like that would have been weird, if that makes sense. So I don't know. I didn't think they could have aluminum naturally in the ground. Can they? Um, Aluminum, the ore that aluminum's made from is bauxite. Um, So aluminum is refined out of, you know, metal. Uh, It's... I can see, let's see, that would have been sealed over in the 60s. I can see, I mean, if it was their practice to just kind of dump their garbage down a well or any well, apparently, and still try to get water from it, I can see them, you know, just dumping their scrap down the yeah. down into the ground. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's kind of, I am, I think I do remember the UFO hunters that you were talking about, and I think they used that as a commercial break. Like 
suspense building thing. Yeah. As if there was some, you know, oh, God, what's down there? You know, kind of deal. Yeah, that's what they always do, though. And you always yeah. know it's bullshit. Yeah, they come back from commercial break and they're like, oh, oh, wait, it's nothing. And then they move on. Like, <laughs> it's always it, that always happens. The <laughs> History Channel shock TV or what, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I am. I'm actually a little surprised that they allowed the History Channel or UFO Hunters, the show, to dig it up. I kind of imagined it would be more like a Schrodinger's cat type of thing. Like as long as the well wasn't dug up, it's one of those, there could be a UFO ship down there. We just don't know for certain. So as long as you don't dig it up, there both is and isn't a UFO, you know, buried in that well. But it's Here's not surprising that there wasn't a UFO parts down there. Here's my theory on why they let them. Number one, publicity for the town. Number two, they probably paid the guy a lot of fucking money to let him, them dig this shit up because it's on, it's on private property now. So yeah. it's, it's up to the owner if he wants to let people dig in it or not. And I'm assuming the History Channel came in and thrown, threw some money at him. Yeah, some uh, Houston, Texas, or some Dallas Cowboys season tickets. <laughs> That's all it would take, man. Yeah, now, they are in the area. Now, as I kind of mentioned... The town, the whole town kind of revolves around this UFO crash and they even erected a memorial plaque kind of thing that you can, uh, you can go visit today. Honestly, I would love to, would love to see it. Uh, it was a historical marker that they put up in 2010. Now the text I'm going to read you from this historical marker, I think alludes to what Ah, uh, why the whole Aurora incident exists. So let me read it here for you. The oldest known graves here, dating from as early as the 1860s, are those of Randall and Rowlett families. Finnis Dudley Beauchamp, uh, 1825 to 1893, a Confederate veteran from Mississippi, donated from a three-acre site to newly formed Aurora Lodge Number 479, AF and AM in 1877. For many years, the community burial ground was known as Masonic Cemetery. Beauchamp, his wife Caroline, uh, and others in their family, an epidemic which struck the village in 1891 added hundreds of graves to the plot, called Spotted Fever by the settlers. The disease is now thought to be a form of meningitis. Located in the Aurora Cemetery is the gravestone of the infant Nellis Burris with its quoted epitaph, As I was soon done, I don't know why I was began. The site is also well known because of the legend that a spaceship crashed nearby in 1897 and the pilot killed in the crash was buried here. Struck by an epidemic and crop failure and bypassed by the railroad, the original town of Aurora almost disappeared. But the cemetery remained in use with over 800 graves, veterans of the Civil War, War World Wars I and II, the Korean War, and Vietnam conflicts are interred here. So, that last sentence there, Phil, um, are you kind of picking up why I think they might have made up this story? Yeah, I have it actually in text in front of me. Uh, one thing that kind of, uh, you know, buried in there was struck by epidemic and crop failure and bypassed by the railroad. 
So the original town of Aurora almost disappeared, but the cemetery remains in use. So it's kind of one of those deals where, you know, this town was so close to being a ghost town. They're kind of grasping to straws. They do, they throw in a lot of civil war stuff in there. They throw in kind of the history of the town with the, the epidemic that they had. So it does kind of seem like they're weaning on their history a little bit. Also, um, for the land donated in 1877, that was right during the time of Reconstruction. I just, in my head, I, you know, saw that. There was kind of a big uh, push for, like, trying to get past the Civil War and trying to, like, revamp the South. Gotcha. Okay. So, in my opinion... Um, and I think this is kind of what a lot of experts think. Now, this isn't definitive, obviously, but like Phil mentioned, that one key line about the epidemic and the crop failure, and then if your town didn't have wasn't near the railroad, you were kind of fucked, to be honest Definitely. with you. Um, so this story was so compelling, they could have heard about all the other stories of the airships going on because that was happening, uh, I think, think in the early part of the 1890s all the way into the very beginning of the 1900s so maybe they heard that and were like hey let's just say that shit happened here and we got all this other stuff and we will kind of suck people in and obviously today this is very clearly a tourist trap um, because honestly I'd be interested in going and seeing it even though now I'm pretty certain it's fucking bullshit um the only evidence we really have from this whole thing is kind of one thing. Judge Proctor did exist, but there's no evidence that he actually had a windmill, which is kind of a main component <laughs> to yeah. the whole story. If there's no windmill, there can't really be a story of a crash, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, we talked about small we talk about small town murder quite a bit. They always talk about when a, a town um, they either say the railroad came there and it boomed or the railroad bypassed them and the town died. Uh, where we grew up in Howard County, Iowa, uh, the railroad went through Cresco and Cresco, you know, grew really big, you know, comparatively to the other towns where the railroad bypassed and those towns, which were bigger than Cresco at the time, died off. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. So. I don't know. What are your feelings on this? Do you think it's an elaborate lie they concocted or what is your feeling? Um, it's kind of a tough one. I mean, from from the history that we were just reading, it sounds like the town went through hell uh, in the, the years before um, with the whole they had the spotted fever and they were, you know, kind of this deal where the the town was dying all of these people died. They were talking about the the infant child. Um, I mean, as I was so soon done, I don't know why I was begun. Kind of deal like a baby dying. And there was so much heartache and kind of um, maybe just trying to jumpstart their town. Something to kind of feel good about. Um, I can see that. Maybe they did see an airship. But just like the game of telephone, we talk about how uh, history from the past kind of gets, you know, built on and built on and built on who knows what the original story was from if this actually did happen who knows what the original story was and what actually you know happened um if anything at all so 
I mean, the original lie might have been kind of minuscule compared to what we have now of all this stuff happening. Right. Like you said in the very beginning, Texas had a lot of reports of these airships. And I'm in the camp that they definitely saw something in the skies back then, back in a time before there was airplanes and shit. Um, I don't know what they were, but there's like way too many sightings of people who shouldn't have any idea what these things were. Uh, so like you said, maybe they saw something, but maybe the crash and all that shit didn't happen. Very plausible. Yeah. We also know, I mean, obviously from the, the, you know, how hot like UFO sightings were back in the sixties, seventies, Um, You would think that we would, with all the cameras that we have now, we would just be, you know, seeing UFOs all over the place and having all these videos and everything like that. We also do know a lot of people lie. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like a lot. A lot of the, I mean, it it is kind of sad because you really wish that only the people who actually had seen something. But I mean, people want attention. And I mean, it's, it's sad, but true that you almost have to be a skeptic when you look into UFOs just because there's so much bullshit yeah. muddying up the water. Well, I honestly, anything paranormal, like, I yeah. don't know what it is about it. Just people just lie and lie about it so much. Like, it's undeniable that there is weird stuff that we don't know in the world, right? That would be qualified yep. as paranormal. But. For every 5% of the weirdness, there's 95% of liars. So it's like, it's really hard to cut through the bullshit sometimes. Well, with paranormal stories, it's one of those things where it's like, you tell a story and you can't verify your story, but also you can't, you know, prove that I'm lying. So I can't prove that it's true. You can't prove that I'm full of shit. So we're just in this limbo. Yeah. Well, it's whoever's story you believe. Exactly. Exactly. And I guess UFOs is the same, uh, same kind of thing as well. Um, So UFOs, ghosts, sex with Bigfoot. It's just, you know, did it happen? Who knows? (laughs) Well, uh, to a a lucky few sex with Bigfoot (laughs) has probably happened. Great literature out there. (laughs) But anyway, Phil, if uh, anyone wants to contact us on their opinion of the Aurora incident, or if they, if anybody out there has been here, please contact us. And where can they contact us? Well, they can hit us up on our email, subliminaldpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, it's great to hear from everybody. Yeah, I mean, we have a lot of fans. If you, you know, uh, we can just see on our site the map of all of our, you know, people who listen, we, Texas is our second biggest right now. So if anyone's ever been out to Aurora or lives in the Dallas Fort Worth area and has heard about this, you know, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, probably an easier way for everyone to get a hold of us would be on our Instagram account, subliminal deception podcast on IG. Uh, Cody and I also have our own Instagram accounts. minus SD pod Phil. Cody, you got one? Yeah. You can message me on Instagram at Cody Subub. Or uh, follow me on TikTok at Cody's Above. I will answer messages there as well. Uh, the last thing we need you guys need you guys to do is to log on iTunes, leave the show five star review. Doesn't really matter what you say, as long as it's five stars, it's greatly appreciated. If you're a Spotify listener, it's even easier. You just gotta hit that follow button 
and it uh, it helps shoot us up the charts, helps us get more exposure, which is what we always want. Well, guys, I hope you uh, enjoyed a return to the UFO world, and we'll see you next week. Thanks, guys.